0: So if, if you know Pastor Clint, he is adventurous, and he always has a smile. He's always up for a good time. And so that's, that's just him right there. It is sleeting in South America, and that guy has a smile on his face. And the whole time he's like, dude, keep praying, keep praying for us. They had a hard time getting to where they were going because of some roadblocks and stuff. And he just said, man, just keep praying, and I've got some amazing stories to tell you. So I just want to, if you guys can stand, I want to lift them up in prayer. This morning, uh, God's favor on them and his protection and his grace. Father, Lord God, we lift up Clint and Maggie to you right now in Jesus' name. And we thank you um, that even in trials and uh, just storms, we can we can laugh. We can smile because we know that you are good. We know that you have a plan. And so we lift up Clint and Maggie to you right now as they're in uh, Cotacachi, Ecuador. And God just bless them. May they find that perfect home uh, for their family where they are going to minister Uh, to the Ecuadorian people in that region. Uh, God, give them safe travels back and just the peace and presence of God be on them like they've never experienced before. Father, thank you for this vision and what you have for us to be a part of as well as they do this, Father. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. You guys can be seated. Um, We're going to look at Matthew 7, verses uh, 7 through 12. So either on your screens or in your Bibles, look with me. Ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be open. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, you will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything due to Others, what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. We so want to look at this, this this great invitation, and a lot of sermons I do I kind of put in two major points. Uh, the first one would be ask, seek, and knock. The the main premise. Uh, to this passage here, what Jesus is talking about from the Sermon on the Mount, from the Beatitudes to here, Jesus is explaining what the kingdom of God will look like. Um, He's actually, if if you're really paying attention, he's actually upping the game. Like if, if if they didn't think they needed a savior before, after Jesus is teaching, they really know that they need a savior now. Right? Jesus is showing some of the corruption in the Pharisees and Sadducees, how they look at the law, but he's, but he's not diminishing God's word and his commands, he's actually making it even more, and therefore they need a savior. And that he will soon, in his lifetime, die on a cross so that they would know him in the way that we see right here, asking, seeking, and knocking and when we look at this passage, I don't know about you, Sometimes, sometimes this passage encourages me. Sometimes this passage ticks me off. As I'm like, but Lord, wait, wait, what do you mean? Ask, seek, knock. I did that. Where were you? Were you on hold? Were you on a trip? Right? Anyone? Right it's supposed to be that way. It's supposed to feel that way. This is a supernatural invitation that we can never take lightly. But yet, it is always true to ask, to seek, to knock. Someone asked the question as we look at prayer and the intimacy with God is why do I need to ask God when He already knows what I need? Maybe you asked yourself that before. I've, I've been asked that by many people. Why do I need to really ask Him if He knows everything that I need? And one of the greatest answers to that question that I've ever heard is that He likes to be asked. It's just a part of his process. It's, it's not that he doesn't know, but it is a part of his process. He knows, but he wants you to know that you need to ask. Seek and you will find. You play hide and go seek with your kids. Right, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's an intimate relationship right there. In, in, in romance. We'll take it to romance. right? There's, there, there, there's, there's this invitation there of more to come. This relational God wants to be found, which is, he's saying, ask me, seek me, knock on the door of my house. Knock and the door will be open to you. This is persistent. Keep knocking. This is fueled by passionate love for our Savior. Right? You think about that, that knocking at the door. You think that that, that seeking. And if, if you really look at in the language that it is written, we, we kind of just like, okay, I knocked. Okay, I just I sought after him. It's, it's kind of like how we, we do in some of our relationships. right? If you, if you have a good marriage in here or you want a good marriage, you'll understand. You'll keep asking, seeking, knocking in that relationship. You don't ever just get satisfied. You don't ever just get just bored with it and just, oh, well, I'm just going to put it right here. You know, if we would, husbands, if we would seek our wives the way we, we, we did when we were pursuing them uh, to be our bride, our marriages would be radically different. It's the same thing with our walk with the Lord. It's this lifelong thing of asking, seeking, and knocking. Even, even like, like, like that persistentness, right? Like kids, Raise your hand if you have kids. They will never leave you alone if they want something, right? You're going to the bathroom and they're pff, 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 pff. dad's going to the bathroom, leave me alone. Pff, 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 pff. Can you, right? Right? Like, seriously, there's no place to hide from you, especially when they're little. God bless them. And how is it that God the Father is giving us the same, like, same type of temptation? Like, why do you stop knocking? Why, why don't you need me like that? Why don't you ask me like that? Like this asking, this seeking, this knocking. And it's this invitation from a God whose ways are higher than ours. He's more marvelous than what we can comprehend. There's no ceiling to his love or his greatness. But yet he says, ask me, seek, and knock. So ask yourself this morning, why do you why do you or don't you pray? What's that reason behind it? And I think that, that reason behind it, if you're real with yourself, real with God, this is a really just quiet place of, of what that answer. I pray because I don't pray. And I think there's some really good wrestling in there with the answers to that question. As we look at prayer, we must understand that Jesus prayed often. This Savior, this Messiah, this God in human form. Pray to the Father often. In Luke 5, 15 through 16, we see this. Yet the news about him spread all the more. So the crowds of the people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Lonely places to pray. Jesus is becoming quite popular. People are coming in the droves because they want a miracle. They want to be healed. And Jesus, this would be the one time he said, man, I am on a roll. I cannot pray. I do not have the time. I'm sure the disciples were like, come on, Jesus. Like, you know, we, 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 You're going to go off by yourself to a lonely place away from us and pray? I said, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Some of us, if we would say, why I do or why I don't pray, it's because of time. We are Americans, and we are important, and we have stuff to do. There's a drive in America, which I I praise God for. We have a lot of great things because of that drive. And even in the Western church, we have that drive, right? There's all these plans and strategic plans and all these things that we're going to do, and we'll just fill the house. But what about filling the house with God? You only get there through prayer. Only in the name of Jesus where you start to sit and talk to God. So some of you might be like, man, I'm just too busy. Man, if you're too busy to pray, then you don't understand the weight of your busyness. See, in Luke 22, 39 through 46, in the garden, it says Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them knelt down and he prayed father if you're willing take this cup from me yet not my will but yours be done and angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him and being in anguish he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like the drops of blood falling to the ground When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep and exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. See, what happens in the invisible, the unseen, it reflects on the scene of what we see. And we see Jesus modeling this. I mean, if you think you're too busy for prayer... Or the prayer is not, it's just not as important enough for you. And these are, I struggle with these things too. Our Savior didn't think he was too busy or that he was too important for this or that it didn't work. Right? This is right before he's going to be taken in to be crucified. And he goes to the garden to pray. And he's praying for God's will in his life. He's praying that his disciples wouldn't fall into temptation twice. And what are they doing? They're sleeping. And part of it is just the weight of life. Right? It's, 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 I don't think they're lazy right here. So just, there's some sorrow and grief so they go to sleep. And, and Jesus is like, well, I don't want to be too hard on them. I don't want to push too hard. I don't know. He's like, get up and pray. Sometimes we're too busy. Sometimes we're just too complacent. And just all the weight of this world that scripture talks about. We get caught up in meaningless, trivial things, so we don't need a supernatural God. And I think if you look at one of the temptations that we have in the West, which again, let me make this clear I love living in the United States of America. We are blessed beyond measure. But with some of those blessings come some costs. Because we have so much, do we need a supernatural God? I mean, look on most of us, our steering wheels now have buttons to change the channel on the radio because this is just too far, right? I remember when those came out about 15 years ago, I was like, this is amazing, right? I was in awe of my own laziness, right? And now we have cars coming out that you don't even have to drive anymore, right? In in praise God for technology. But it's what happens when we also just... So great, we don't need God. Right? It, is, it, is, it is something we really have to wrestle with, from our DVR to our Spotify, to all these things. I know I'm sounding like an old man up here. But it's all these things that, like, man, I don't, I don't have to wait for that TV show. I don't have to make time for friends. You know, they can be Facebook friends. I don't, have to, I don't have to be somewhere on time. Hey, just call my cell phone. There was a time, again, thank God for technology, when we just had to be more present we need to be more present with God. I want us to look in Acts twelve five through seven, in the early church, and it says, "So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers." Bound with two chains and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. And what I love about this passage here in Acts, this telling of what happened, the Lord the author of Acts wants us to see that there was a correlation between the church earnestly praying and an angel coming to the Apostle Paul. And sometimes it's because we're too busy, sometimes because we're complacent, but then other times it's because we're like, do we really believe prayer works? And there's some good theology to wrestle in right there. The sovereign God calls his people to pray. I don't tell God what to do. You don't tell God what to do. We'll talk about that in the next part of this teaching. It's an important thing for us to understand. He doesn't stop being God. He doesn't stop being wonderful. But yet this sovereign God says, partner with me in prayer and see what happens. It is beyond my comprehension. But it's not beyond our obedience. Do we really believe that prayer works? Do we really believe that it works? And when, you've, when you're living a life that needs a supernatural God to come in and save you and change you and change your environment or change your heart, that peace. Sometimes God doesn't change the environment, but he changes your, your head knowledge and your heart knowledge, and it's, it's all the difference in the world. And when you've seen it work, you can't get enough of it. Oh, how the enemy loves when we're complacent and we don't believe when the sovereign God tells us to pray. And I struggle with it too. We start to think like the world. In New York, uh, Governor Cuomo, when he was the governor, said this during the pandemic. He said, God did not do that. Faith did not do that. Destiny did not do that. A lot of pain and suffering did that. That's how it works. It's math. And I don't, put that on there to to embarrass him or to put anyone down. But this is how the majority of the world thinks. And this is sometimes Christians, friends, this is how we start to think too. And we say things like, come on, there's got to be more than prayer. There's got to be more than Jesus. And you haven't really met Jesus the way that he wants you to. And you haven't really seen the power of prayer. Thank God he's more than math. Amen? And also know this, as we're talking to the Lord, hopefully we're also listening to the Lord. Maybe as you look at why you pray or why you don't pray, maybe you feel like he doesn't listen to you, but he listens to everybody else. And the book of James, James 5.17 The Lord wants us to know this. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain in the land for three and a half years. Elijah was their LeBron James. He was their Tom Brady of the faith. And it's real easy for us to go well those prayer warriors. God listens to their prayer. He just doesn't listen to my prayer. So are you asking, seeking, and knocking? All right, the second part that we want to Look at this morning, and the time we have is sons and daughters. So, Jesus talks about asking, seeking, and knocking, and it's a continual thing for the rest of your life. It's intimate and it's wonderful. But then in verse nine, he says, Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good give good give bleh, good gifts to those who ask Him, or that need to read. <laughs> Got to have humor. There's, this is an invitation to more with God through prayer, but also as sons and daughters. How do you become a son or daughter of the God Most High? Only through Jesus Christ. Oh, so This is an imitation to his sovereignty, to his grace. And you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have access to this asking, this seeking, this knocking. You are a son or daughter of the king from this God that wants to be known. And he gives us two understandings of who we are in him. The one is it's kids. The church were his kids, right? You individually were his kids. I can't think of a more intimate thing than my kids. How much I love them, what I wouldn't do for them. And then the other analogy he gives is the bride, right? What I wouldn't do for my bride, right? Corporately were the bride, individually were his kids. God loves you. And he says, who wouldn't give, if his son asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would give him a snake, Like, do we know that God is good? That's what he's saying. He's saying when you're asking and you're seeking and you're knocking, you're going to go to this understanding when you're, when, you're, when you're following God and not yourself, when you're following God and not just mysticism, when you're following God and not just some goosebumps, or that God becomes your Vegas, right? He's your Amazon. He's just doing whatever you want to do. There's going to be some times that he says no. There's going to be some times he says yes, maybe, or wait and see. Right? That, that's how, but when you know he's the father and you are his son or daughter, you know that he loves you and that he has the best for you. I think about children when they're little, they're completely dependent on their parents. Completely. And, and, and what does the word say? Like, Go to me like a child and the faith like a child. Right? When my children, and then they were, especially when they're younger, right? It's like Mom, dad, what are we going to eat today? They're three years old and they're like, fix it yourself. No. Get a job. What do you No. No. It's like everything's through mom and dad. And I ask this as children do we ask God or do we demand from God? What kind of child are you? Is the question. It says, ask. And to keep asking, to keep asking. Sometimes we get so busy, or or God seems so distant, we don't even ask. He's like, "Well, he should be able to read my mind." Well, you, then you've not read the scripture. Are you asking God? I don't know why God does. His ways are higher than mine. But this good God says they have to ask. Well, God, you can read my mind. They have to ask. And are we asking? Or are we demanding? When we go to that demanding then we're not going to him as the father, are we? Again, God can say yes. He can say no. He can say not yet. He can say wait and see. James 4 through 3 kind of gets to the point of sometimes that, that, that wrestling of that asking, seeking, and knocking. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. This really goes back to the why should I pray that I think sometimes we can struggle with. Sometimes it's theology, understand, why do I have to, why do I have to pray to the sovereign God? To can he just do that? Well, go back to the obedience of scripture. But then there's that look, but he didn't do what I wanted him to do. You to go back to asking and seeking and knocking. It's a process of an invitation that'll take you to a place where God doesn't just give you what you want. Like, I don't just give my kids what they want, right? Monday, I'm thinking about, you know, because I've got a big game tonight that my son and I are going to watch. He's going to be up late, and right now, if he's he's good, Monday, taking the day off, he's not going to school, which he loves not going to school. But I'm like, son, we're probably going to get you a haircut and some other... A haircut, I might as well just go to school. That's what he said. We're like, oh, geez. First world problems, son. Right? Am I just gonna let him do what he wants? No, no, no. And it's the same thing with us. It was we, we really are asking, seeking, and knocking. Then we get to experience the Lord and his goodness when he says no. When God says no to us, it's because he loves us every time. He says no to that relationship because it wasn't the best for you. He says no to that career because it wasn't the best for you. It wasn't going to honor him. It wasn't going to bless you. When he says not yet, because you're not ready for it. Whatever the case would be. And there's a process in there, asking, seeking. Some of us, if we're bold enough to ask, then sometimes we just stay right there because, well, he didn't give me what I want so prayer doesn't work so I'm not going to ask. We're too busy so we don't, ask. We don't seek. God, why'd you say yes? Why'd you say no? What's going on? Psalms 3410 says, the lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Do you see that comparison there? Lions, as tough as they are. I mean, their physique They are the king of the jungle. But you know what? They're going to go weak and hungry. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Did you ask? Do you ask? I know with my kids, sometimes they'll say, well, no, I, I, I knew you'd say no. Well, maybe you should have asked. Maybe dad would have said yes. Or sometimes my kids will say, well, no, I didn't think I had to, especially when they know it's, they're doing something that they shouldn't do. <laughs> I didn't think I had to ask you. Right? These are conversations we have with our kids, right? This asking is an important thing. So that would be the number one thing I'd ask you today. Do you ask the Lord? Do you go to his throne room and say the words? Write a letter to him, whatever it would be. Ask others like him. Hey, I want to ask the Lord about this thing. And then I'm going to seek the Lord about this thing. And I'm going to knock I'm going to knock like a child knocks. When I think about some pretty miraculous and important things in my life, they were bathed in prayer. From my wife in our engagement and our wedding to our life in ministry, that wasn't something that was, you know, at, at first we were both unsure. Like, just oh, the Lord. Is this? There was a lot of asking, seeking, and knocking. Starting the church 15 years ago, there was a lot of asking, seeking. We were in a good place, the church we were at. We were doing student, young, adult ministries, loving it. But the Lord was starting to prompt our heart. And so we we're asking the Lord, God, is this you? And then a lot of seeking and then a lot of knocking. I can't think of one good thing in my life that it didn't first have to be bathed in prayer for me to get, to me to understand, to get me to obey. I can even think about some miraculous things and I won't spend a lot of time on this this morning, but m- my senior high school, and again, I always explain things a little bit differently in the second service than I do this service, but my, my twin brother was on drugs, and he was in an alcohol, and he was just going through this fit of rage, and he gla- grabs a gun, and I don't I don't want to like get too graphic with stuff, but he, he was looking like he was going to commit suicide. And my mom's right there. It was one of the most like, Oh, moments of my life. And at that moment, did I get strategic? Did I go back to, man, do I know it? Can I get the gun out of his hand? No, I ran out of our house crying to the Lord. Crying to the Lord. Why? Because I know that's the most powerful and effective thing that I could do at that moment. And my mom was like, I don't know what happened. But when you ran out of the house, your drug-induced. Brother, put the gun down. And when you experience something like that, you can either go to it with a supernatural power of like, wow. How can I ever not go to God again about things? Or you can go, well, there must have been some reason why he did that. I'll just never know. Well, I know which one I'm banking on. Knocking. Asking, seeking, knocking. There's this invitation into a home. As you ask the Lord, as you seek the Lord. And then he comes to this this end of knocking. What I love about this, two things. Someone's home. There's an imitation into his kingdom. Which I think truly only comes, obviously, through salvation. But it's also to his sovereignty. God's way, not my way. God's will, not my will. And if you think that praying to God is just about your will, then you'll never pursue God the way he wants you to. Your will be done. Not my will be done. Ask yourself this morning, do you trust that he is good? Do you believe in the word of God? And I know he is good by his word. I know he is good by his presence of his Holy Spirit. And for me, in in my testimony growing up, you know, I, I knew the presence of God and the love of God before I knew the Bible. Not Some of you guys will have that story, some of you guys won't. The Holy Spirit was speaking to me in some pretty radical ways, and I knew there was a God. And I started, this, this God was pursuing me, not me pursuing this God. Through all these really supernatural things. But then what was awesome is the Lord would convict me of things or show me some things, I'd open up this big old Bible in our home. And I go, Whoa. This doesn't match it up. And so then like, this word is true too. Ask, seek, knock. And then he says in the last part of this passage, so in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. So Jesus this whole time is Sermon on the Mount. It's the longest conference ever. He's giving all these teachings about his kingdom and about his laws and his promises. And then he's like, well, how do you you get there? How do you become more loving? How do you become transforming? He's like, you're going to have to ask. You're going to have to seek. You're going to have to knock. It's the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Where we realize I can't muster up enough courage, I can't muster up enough change, I can only be disciplined so much, but you know what? The supernatural power of God can change me. He can change my desire, he can change my wants, he can change my environment, he can give me peace like he did the Apostle Paul. Right? This, this teaching is all known as the golden rule. Right? Confucius said it. Uh, he said, do not do to others what you would not wish done to yourself. Uh, Rabbi Hillel said, what is hateful to you, do not to anyone else. This is the whole law. All the rest is commentary. Go and learn it. So this, what, what Jesus does, this, is, this was a teaching in their time. But Jesus takes it up a, a, another notch. Everyone else at that time was, well, this is all about the don'ts. Some of us have experienced God about just the don'ts. He gives us a lot of don'ts. But the emphasis of the kingdom of God is the dues, right? It's just this whole thing and not to steal good, good wisdom. It's a whole other thing to generously give to others. And you can only do that with the spirit and presence of God. It's one thing not to slander people. It's a whole other thing to edify them with our words as often as we can. Asking, seeking, knocking. It's not just about our stuff. It's about the true presence of God and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, and we're going we're to end in this. It says, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So be imitators of God. Walk as Jesus walked, as his child, as his son, as his daughter, through his word, through his spirit, asking, seeking, and knocking. A couple questions as we close in the time we have. Number one, are are, are you asking? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? And I just have a confession. One of the problems that sometimes I have, even as a pastor, because I have probably more time to pray than most of you. It's just a part of my schedule. But I don't always do it. Not with, not with the romantic fervor that God wants to be there. And sometimes when I was busier and had multiple jobs, I, there was more passion to pray. Sometimes when I'm going with more struggles or temptations or just junk in my life, I'm asking, seeking, and knocking more. And I don't want it to be that way. So this is something I'm wrestling with, like, Lord, am I, am I asking you things? Or am I just telling you you should know? Am I seeking you? Or am I just becoming numb and bitter? Am I knocking at your door? For there's so much to pray for. There's so much need. Second question, why do you or don't you pray? Right? And that, man, that, that is something that I'm constantly having to look at at different seasons in my life. And when I go back to the times with my brother or the times of planning this church, I'm like, gosh, why don't I pray more? And the last question, do you come to the Lord as a son or a daughter? It happens first through salvation where Jesus is king. But when he is king, when he is savior, there's an invitation to know him more. But you have to ask. You have to seek and you have to knock. If you guys can stand, we're going to close in prayer. There'll be people in the back that would love to pray with you and for you as we talk about prayer together. And there's also communion in the back that we encourage you to take um, and seek the Lord with. Father, Father, Lord God, we come to you um, as your bride. This holy invitation that you're, You're talking to your your family, to your church, to ask you, continue to ask you for stuff. From provision, to healing, to health, to peace. That we would seek you as you say yes or no, or wait and see, or not yet. That we would just seek your face. We would also knock this, this great invitation to know you more and to be known by you. And even what would be the prayer for this church? What would be your desire for this church, Lord God? That we'd be a people that would seek your face. Because that is the invitation that you've given us. And our greatest reward would be your presence. Our greatest reward would be your peace. Our greatest reward would be that we'd be your hands and feet. And we'd see this world changed. We'd see our city changed. Saved, set free, set apart. And in love and in favor with the King of kings and Lord of Lords. Lord God, speak to your bride, speak to your children today. In Jesus' name.